All right. Well, I got a feeling that um, Friday has had an effect, and it's it's kind of limiting our numbers. Um, so let's let's get into it, uh, and hopefully we'll grab some people as we go. So the goal today is to uh, look at some Balinese theater. And then, you know, if we have time to go back to uh, Wojciech. Um But yeah, let's, let's take a look at that. Give me one second. Okay, so what's interesting about Balinese theater, um, unlike, let's say, uh, uh, no theater or kabuki, the the Balinese theater is um, it's much more dispersed in terms of um, in in terms of its uh, specifics. So what you're going to see is a lot of different types of dancing, um, a lot of kind of different masks, different uh, music. It's all going to be of a piece. Uh, the, the dancing is going to roughly look similar. The music is going to sound similar. It's gamelan music, if anybody's familiar with it. Um, but as we said with Kabuki, where you had this type, these types of plays, and they went in this order, and... Um, there were these three types of characters, and there's these types of makeup designs, and, you know, yada yada. Um, with Balinese theater, it's a little, uh, the tradition is a little more, it's decentralized. And so, what you're seeing is like a, more of a collection of customs um, that present in theater. Also, what you're seeing, and this is somewhat similar to Japan, is that what is known as sacred and what is known as secular is blurry. The, the difference between these two categories is blurry. We saw with, with Japanese theater, you know, no theater kind of comes out of a religious tradition, a Shinto and Buddhist tradition, and kabuki theater doesn't. Um, but there's a kind of movement between them, right? Like no theater sort of becomes secular, um, even though it begins with with priests and uh, it it becomes secular once you have a shogunate who's who's um, patronizing that type of thing. With Balinese theater, there's you know, it's more of a range of something being sacred or something being secular. And very often you'll see uh, outside of major temples performances, but performances of religious texts. And you'll see in a kind of outer temple space, which is sort of, I guess you get like a liminal space between what's secular and what's sacred. You'll see performances of kind of historical or mythical, semi-mythical things that aren't necessarily taken from religious text. And so 
this presentation is going to be it's it's going to be a little difficult in the sense of there isn't that kind of clean narrative we had with No and Kabuki. Um, it's going to be, I think, exciting because this this performance tradition is, is very exciting, or these collections of traditions. So, rough history of Bali. Um, Bali right now is the uh, I think the wealthiest province in Indonesia. Um, so it's in the Indian Ocean. It's next to the much larger island of Java, which it shares a lot of these customs with. Um, it in the eastern part of the island is Gunung Agung, which is a, a giant volcano, um, and this is seen as the house of the gods. What's interesting about Indonesia is Indonesia is almost entirely Muslim, with the exception of Bali, which is more than ninety percent Hindu. And they have uh, Hindu Hinduism itself is also very decentralized. So um, there's no, you know, it's not like there's a pope of of Hinduism, which which tells everyone, uh, you know, which distributes the the organizational philosophy via some bishops or something like that. Um, Wherever you go in the world where there's Hinduism, it's a little different. And this is the eastmost Hinduism in the world until you hit California. So. Balinese Hinduism is focused really on a, a kind of tripartite godhead, which is can consider uh, consisting of Vishnu, Shiva, and Brahman. And so you have the creator, the destroyer, and then Vishnu is a god who sort of takes on human form in various manifestations. Um, because you are legally required to be monotheistic in Indonesia, these three gods are considered and um, considered aspects of a single god. So there's a, a sort of Trinitarian thing to it. But what you'll notice is in the temples, and uh, this is true at the, in the temple at the foot of Gunung Agung, is um, is that there's usually kind of three areas that are color coded. I think I want to say white, red, and um, yellow. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but I think that's it for the for the different gods, um, you know, and and so it, that's how they kind of get around the rule, right? They're they're all part of the same god. Um, but anyway, more on the history here. Um, we have the uh, Mahapatet, I think is how you say that empire, um, and that really is established on Java. Um, uh, they, the Javanese go to Bali in 1343 and establish a colony there. And so at this point, you begin to see uh, a really strong connection in the cultures of Java and Bali. And that, that continues to this day, even though they are now um, different religions. So Portuguese, they came to the island in 1512. Um, uh, but the great colonizers of Bali were the Dutch, who started in the 1640s. And um, they, the Dutch fought. They eventually won the island, but there was a, a resistance from the royal family, the Balinese royal family. Uh, however, this was short-lived, as in World War II, the Japanese took over the island and, um, and used it as a base. And you could find um, uh, these kind of caverns where the Japanese soldiers uh, lived or, or held out. Um, and then after the Japanese lost World War II, eventually, I think by, I want to say 1949, uh, we have Indonesia as a com- as a country with Bali as part of that. Okay, getting into some of the culture here. 
So um, while we don't see, I, I don't think necessarily Java taking over Bali until the 14th century, the two islands are very close. I think there's actually parts of Bali where you can look and see Java. And so cultural exchange is, is already going on between the islands. And um, the to Topeng is, you know, the major category of dance. And here's a Topeng dancer. And we're going to look at some of those. And you could see he, the years where we know that th this type of dance is appearing on the island. Um, Prince Panji, there was a collection of romantic tales about this person. And the Topeng were dances, usually by one person, who was acting out the different characters in a romantic tale about this this prince. Um, the, the sort of dance tradition changed when Islam eventually came to the island, eventually came to Java, and so the, the, the stories began to change, but this is the source of them. Um, yeah, and it's oldest form I said here, uh, Topang features one person playing all of the characters, sometimes aided by a mask, uh, a mask or masks. Um, and at the end, you'd have a public offering to the gods. Okay. Um, and so I guess the, well, the earliest masking was 1058. So I guess the initial, the initial dances, we might not be sure when, if it was masked or not, but we know, I think there's, there's clear evidence in the year 1058 that we have masking. And this splits into true traditions, the courtly tradition and kind of the village tradition. Um, and yeah, Weiyang Wang becomes the, the term for the court theater where you perform before the courtiers. Um, and this is also when you see the Hindu religious elements um, becoming part of the narrative of the dance, not just the offering at the end, but part of the, the story of the dance. And the, you know, the two major Hindu texts, I don't know if, if people know these texts, the, the Mahabharata and the Ramayana are, are two long epics, um, two epic poems that are uh, that have a number of stories within them. Uh, the Maharabata, uh, Mahabharata, excuse me, is a, a story of um, these kind of two families that are at war with each other. It's it's very long, so there's a lot of different sections to it. Um, parts of the book are are wisdom books. So there'll be kind of discussions of philosophy and whatnot intertwined with that. Um, you know, not not unlike the Bible. The Ramayana is a uh, much shorter epic, which features um, Rama, the, the title character, uh, trying to rescue his bride Sita with the help of his flying monkey counselor, who uh, we're, we're going to meet later in this, this presentation. And so the Ramayana is, is a a bit shorter, and um, Hanuman, the monkey counselor, is a very popular figure in Balinese theater. So there's, there is a, uh, it's one of the reasons why the Ramayana is, is so popular, is this character. Here's yeah. um, another form of Topeng. Uh, this is performed in the outer courtyards at Temple, and the outer courtyards is the, the inner courtyards is really the sacred space where kind of the gods live. The outer courtyards are um, uh, performance areas where the public can see. And it's one of these, it seems from my research, one of these uh, liminal spaces, right? One of these fuzzy spaces between secular and sacred. 
And you could see here that the masks, as I say here, masks allow the individuals to play various legendary and semi-legendary characters. And what that means when I'm saying like legendary instead of religious is characters drawn from history. So kings and queens of Bali, some of them who are real, some of them are not real. And before we go today, I'll, I'll show you uh, one of those masks from from one of these types of dances. Uh, well, and here's, here's a bunch of them. Um, much like in uh, the, the puppet theater in Japan and how we, we talked about how the puppet theater there affected Kabuki by a borrowing of narrative, the, the same writer would write for both um, Bunraku, that's the, the puppet theater, and Kabuki. What's happening here is something similar, but with the, kind of the mask thing. So there's a, a robust puppet theater in Bali, um, which we're going to talk about, and the the model of a lot of these masks come from those puppets. Um, so now more, we also have uh, Wayang Wong, a dance drama that's beginning also to develop at the turn of the 19th century. Um, the king uh, wanted to develop the, the Ramayana text more um, and also kind of connect it to Balinese legend. So there's this idea of like, uh, the tradition is really, really important. And in part, we're sort of inventing the tradition, right? We're looking to a past and saying, this is what we're rooted in. Uh, and in order to do that, they are using Kawi, which is a, an old, like an ancient Balinese script. Um, and so what you have now is actors who are performing, learning Kawi and, and singing in that language. Um, and here's Hanuman. Here is a mask of Hanuman, the flying monthly counselor. Um, here's some more Wayang Wong masks. Um, and yep, that brings us to the the puppet theater, which is is fun. Uh, puppet theater, uh, Wayang Kulut. Um, the puppet theater came to Bali from Java around the ninth century. And Wayang Kalut is a kind of shadow puppet theater. There's also a three-dimensional puppet theater that we're going to see, and we'll watch a video of it just to get a sense of what it's like. Um, again, we have the Ramayana being very well represented. Uh, the, the Dalang is the name of the puppeteer. And what happens with the, the two-dimensional stuff, which I think is more popular or, or more respected when I was there that that was the impression I was given um, is that you'd have a large silk screen and you'd have an oil lamp I, now they have electricity so electric lamp shining and then the the DeLong would hold up these puppets here which are are you know decorated um, painted as they are but he'd hold them up to the screen so you'd only see kind of a black shadow of them and he would do the voices of a number of these puppets. And so over the course of, you know, three hours or so, when, you know, when I was there, that's, that's what I saw. I saw like the, uh, this master DeLong do a three-hour show. Um, and I think it's also in Kawi. <laughs> so it's, it's like not only uh, do, do I not understand it, I'm not entirely sure how much of the audience understood it. But anyway, that, that's, that's the idea. And so they would hold up, uh, or this one guy would hold up, the puppets and you know kind of 
move them back and forth. And you could see here with the rods, move their arms back and forth, etc. And, and they act out these scenes. And a lot of it is invested in humor. Um, you know, even though the, these sacred stories, there there's a potential, I mean, there's flying monkeys, right? There's always potential for humor there. And, um, and so a lot of it is there. And there's also a, a, a gamelan orchestra performing with the the puppet theater and so that's a very popular theater form and it has developed over a long period of time um the balinese music is also very distinctive if you know anything about uh oh kind of late very late romantic french music like if anybody knows maurice ravel ravel was very much influenced by balinese music and here is a what's called a gam oh the 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 instruments from a gamelan um and a gamelan is a balinese orchestra this is a uh the, these instruments are called a jigokon um which are uh like like xylophones and what you do with those is you play a uh, a key with this hammer and then you would mute it right after and so there's this this kind of quick percussive sound to this, and in these kind of five note scales, they they play and they play chains, right? So it'll be repeating patterns of notes, um, and you have bunches uh, you have a bunch of people at these these various xylophones playing different chains, and they sort of lock together to make a, a single piece of music. But it's very percussive and very bright. Um, so here is kind of an inner temple dance. So this is much more strictly religious, um, and obviously much older. Um, and this here is, I believe this is a photograph. I, I couldn't confirm this, but I believe this is a photograph from the temple at the foot of the, uh, at the foot of the volcano. And you could see here, this is the rijang this is the the kind of ceremonial dance for for women um you have dances in which people enter into a trance um and etc you could you could read the screen a, a collection of dances uh that serve different purposes um here's another type of, of dance this one is in honor of the gods uh, and this is this is odd so my my source in doing the research for this lecture was um, this book, Balinese Dance in, Tr in Transition, and I had not heard of this this type of dance before because it's so rare. And it seems like this book was published in 1995, and looking back in the 20th century, it seems like this dance was performed four or five times in in the last hundred years or so, um, according according to <laughs> this book, uh, and it's. A dance for young male virgins who go from the village and they go to the the temple, the near nearby temple, and they live there for forty two days, preparing for this dance. Um, and the Birutuk, it appears to be like the royal family. So over time, they they prepare and learn this dance and dancing as kind of the royal family, and they they sort of form a protective religious or sacred space in the temple and dance in that area they also when people come to watch them they what was described as whipping 
the the worshippers with banana stems. Um, however, I, I, it's not like painful or something. It's it's seen as like kind of curing illness. It's a it's a good thing to get whipped with a banana stem. Um, you'd think they use a different term than than whipping, but that's that's was what <laughs> my my source said. Um, and then the people portraying the the king and queen do a dance in which the king and queen are mimicking a rooster and hen. Um, and so this is a this is a, a dance in a special honor of the gods. So you know some of this these other dances we performed we performed we already we discussed is the rajang again. Um, uh, the gaber is for women. Mendit is for men. Um, here's another of these semi-sacred dances. Uh, so, y- you know, you have the, the topen, which is, um, designed to neutralize evil spirits. Um, and so you can see here, yeah, there's, there's kind of a, a, uh, there's this liminal space between what's sacred and what isn't that's, that's going on in, in Balinese dance. Um, and they're evolving, you know, really at court, and you could see really cool headdresses. And when the dancers move, the, the head motion is very specific. And so um, she will probably jerk. It's very specific and very jerky. And so she'll probably jerk her head back and forth and make the this headpiece, the pieces on the headpiece move and the, it kind of sings. It makes a, a, a sound of like a bell sound. And so she's controlling that sound. And so these elaborate headpieces become almost part of the music of it. And you could also see with her hands here, a lot of um, Balinese dance um, involves actually learning how to stretch your fingers backward like that. And then you're you're moving them. Um, Balinese dance also involves eyes forward and then moving to the side, kind of in a jerky fashion. So eye position where your eyes are is, is very important in in this dance the eyes are a big part of the expression of the dance and the fingers how they're positioned there moving back and forth are also uh, a big part of it um yep and that is that and so let's let's take a look at some of this okay um and have some fun and see some of the the dancing. So uh, I want to start with actually the um, the the puppet theater stuff. I just happen to really love that. Um, so let me figure out how to share that with you guys. And we'll watch like a little five minute thing on that, and then we'll see some of the dancing live. Not live, excuse me. We'll see some of the dancing on video. It it won't be live. It's previously recorded. One second. Um, I think this is it. Renowned for its elaborate puppets and complex musical styles, the ancient Wayang form of storytelling originated on the Indonesian island of Java. For 10 centuries, Wayang flourished at the royal courts of Java and Bali, as well as in rural areas. Today, Wayang is practiced not only on Java and Bali, but also on the islands of Lombok, Madura, 
Sumatra and Borneo, where various local performance styles and musical accompaniments have developed. Wayang performances are visually striking, owing mainly to the puppets themselves. Although these carefully handcrafted objects vary considerably in size, shape and style, two principal types prevail. The three-dimensional wooden puppet, Wayang Kritik or Gole, and the flat leather shadow puppet, Wayang Kulit, projected in front of a screen lit from behind. Both types are characterized by stylized costumes and facial features and articulated body parts. The master puppeteer, or Dalai, carefully manipulates the swiveling arms by means of slender sticks attached to the puppets. In the past, puppeteers were regarded as cultivated literary experts who transmitted philosophical, moral and aesthetic values through their art. The words and actions of comic characters representing the common man have provided an acceptable vehicle for criticizing sensitive social and political issues. And it is believed that this special role may have contributed to Wayang's survival over the centuries. Wayang stories borrow characters from indigenous myths and ancient Indian epics, while heroes from famous Persian tales feature prominently in the distinctive narrative styles developed in Java and Lombok. Spectators of all ages are passionate about the performance. Samar, one of the most popular figures, and the wise counsellor of the king and lords comes on stage. A choir accompanies the performance with its singing. Samar crosses the stage. Samar is an important figure present in all performances. The music helps to create different atmospheres appropriate for each scene. Thanks to his master's skills, Karang is able to dance to the rhythm of the orchestra, which is conducted by the Dalang, using a little bell and a small drum. The Korokora demon and Vishnu come on stage. Ramawiyaya gets ready to shoot the magic arrow. The spectators are enthralled. The Raronor demon is hit by the arrow.
mati aku ora mati suro diro jalanin kak lebur dining pangan studi aku mau mati aku mau mati suro sudiro jayani kaman kak sopras tolak tengaping karma studi aku mau mati Okay, <laughs> now I'm back. So that is, that's the puppet theater. Um, actually, I actually had forgotten about that. Uh, when I when I saw the the puppet theater, it um, they have apparently inserted local political problems into into the story. So there's just jokes about kind of local politicians and whatnot. Um, and so it, it was really interesting because parts of it are in different language, you know, parts of it are in this older Kawi language, um, but then parts are in the, in, in, you know, Indonesian. And suddenly everybody will just start laughing <laughs> uh, because they're drawing upon, you know, the, these kind of um, uh, kind of local political problems in, and making commentary on it. Um, and so it's it's a really interesting experience where you're sort of sitting there, meditative, not entirely sure what's going on, and then suddenly everybody breaks out in laughter, and um, you know somebody tries to explain to you who this like local politician is. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, it's interesting how that video also reflected on the fact that its its ability, um, Wayang's ability to adjust to uh contemporary problems and incorporate them into traditional storytelling is what allows it to kind of survive and be very popular and it is very popular still uh, on the island um and so that's yeah that's a really cool a cool factor that i, I for, had forgotten about when putting together uh, this lecture um let's take a look also at um Uh, do, 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 do. at some of the music so we won't do we won't do um, this is an eight minute video on the music we won't do all of uh, all eight minutes of this but at least get a sense of, of seeing what the, the gamelan is you heard a little bit of it there but this is a more uh, a little more direct so let me share this with you guys.
All right, and I think that that gives kind of good representation of what the, what the music is like. Um, the pentatonic scale they used is something that a lot of people in in the West uh, picked up on. Balinese theater came to the World's Fair in in the late 19th or early 20th century, which is where uh, Ravel saw it. I think the World's Fair was being held in, in France, and he heard this gamelan music, either from Bali or from Java, and uh, began to incorporate it into his own music, especially this kind of five-tone thing. But you'd hear the the um, the sort of chain of notes, right, um, being played on the, the xylophone-style instruments, and how quickly those notes are being muted. So, you, you know, you kind of hit it with a hammer and then mute the key right afterwards, which if you ever try to do that is really really kind of messy because you're sort of um you know you you end up uh when first trying to learn how to do it muting the note and grabbing and hitting the note and muting it at the same time it's um it's it's difficult so anyway yeah that that is that um let's take a look also at some of the um the dance this is from a palace in ubud which is um the second largest city in Bali. Uh, one second, sorry. Uh, and this is um, the uh, dance. I think the, the major kind of dance style is Legong, but we will see. Yes, Legong.
And you can see the, the eye movement there, right? The eye movement is very specific. Um, you're going to jerk to the... When you jerk your head to the side, the eyes sort of go with it. Yep. <laughs> All right, I guess we could we could stop it there. Okay. Um, all right. Okay. So, I think I, I'm getting we're getting a few emails that apparently the link didn't work for class today. Um All right, well, that's fine. Uh, anyway, so did, did people have trouble with the link for class today? I, I've had a lot of computer... Okay. Yeah, there was a lot of computer problems in the last class that seemed to persist. Yeah, normally when you post the link, um, mm -hmm. it's just like the dry link, but today mm -hmm. it was like an actual physical link to the game, mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So do you like cut and paste it? Okay. All right. Well, okay. <laughs> this is the first time this has happened. Um, all right. Well, I will, I will look into that. I'll try and, and write a letter. How did you guys, uh, okay. So you right clicked and opened it into another page. Okay. So I will, I'll just, okay. I'll, uh, I'll send out some mail to everyone about that for for Monday's class. Well, sorry about that. I uh, I would say the the computer problems were about fifty percent less in this class than than in my first class. We lost about twenty minutes with uh, with with this damn thing. So we'll we'll work that out. But um anyway. So that is, um, that's kind of the, the re good representation of, of the dance style. And I thought I'd show you some things I have here. Here is a replication of, um, let me see him, here he is, of Hanuman. 
Uh, and Hanuman the, the, is the monkey counselor. And this is, it's not an official Balinese mask, but a representation I have. But when I was there, I also got this here. And this is one of the masks from kind of the, the historical period. And this is the Pig King. Uh, and this was made by a master mask maker in Singaraja, which is a, a, a city in Bali. And you could see his, he signs his masks in the original language back here. Um, and what this mask represents is when we talked about the, uh, it was kind of legendary stories about rulers and whatnot. This is a mask from that dance tradition. And how the story goes is there was a, a king who was able to make his head levitate into the air. And one of his counselors, seeing his headless body, uh, got very nervous and cut off the head of a pig and stuck it on there just so he would have a, a head. And then that head became his head. His, he, he was stuck with a pig head. And so this mask is from a kind of dance representing that story. And that's, you know, the mask of the, the pig king. Um, yeah. And so that is that. Um, good. And so, yep. We're going to have had this for a little while now. Um, and so that away. And that is that on uh, Balinese dance um, and Balinese theater. So any questions about, about any of that? Okay, good. Yeah, I, I imagine. <laughs> I imagine. Any questions about the assignment for Monday? Okay, fine, fine enough. Well, if anybody has any questions, email me. I think I've gotten back to everyone about um about this kind of stuff. Uh, about their their questions anyway. Um, but. I will obviously be around. I'll try and answer your emails as soon as possible. If you have any questions about the assignment, and uh, that should be it. Well, well, we'll end a few minutes early today, and I will stay on as usual if, if people want to meet after. But if not, you are free to go. Thank you very much for your time. Have a nice day. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Thank you, you too.